And very welcome to our service this morning. It's a lovely sunny autumn morning. It's great to see the sun. Um, I've got a lot of announcements, so can you just uh, bear with me a wee minute? Just want to point out uh, that uh, in the middle here, in the middle of your order of service, there are a couple of things. First of all, there's this wee sheet, which uh, I've done out. It's something for your fridge to put your fridge magnet on, okay? It basically, it's covering a good lot of the, the references, Bible references, which I'll use today, uh, later on, and it's for something for you to think about as we start in this new year, and we're thinking very, very much on prayer and the value of prayer and how special it is and how powerful it is. So uh, also a couple of wee questions for you to think about as well. Also, um, is in your order of service is a bookmark. Okay, please feel free to take as many bookmarks as you want. Um, every single person, it's not one per family, every single person should be able to take one. And uh, it's, it's basically given thanksgiving on one side of it, thanksgiving to God, and then some prayer requests, most of which have been given, particularly from the different um, organizations for us to pray. Uh, and please can I ask the elders too, that for those who aren't, able to get out uh, to Sunday, to, to the service on Sunday, to be able to take one of these round. I remember in Ballysill, a wee woman who couldn't get out, and I went around to visit her, and she said she really felt a part of the church because she was able to pray for things that needed prayer every single day. So please, those, that's those two things. Also, uh, there's a flyer for Messy Church. Take as many as you want. If you have neighbors, friends, family, the woman down the street, kids out in the street, please give them, uh, distribute them. And uh, 23rd of October, that's when Ben and the team are looking for that in the afternoon. Um, let's see. Yes, with regards to sunflowers, do you remember I was, uh, I gave you out seeds, I think it was maybe last April, and some people have grown sunflowers. Uh, if you have, and it's been quite successful, I know I've seen one so far that's very successful. So if you send me a photograph on WhatsApp for the harvest service uh, next Sunday, we will get our sunflower panel to judge that. Uh, there'll be a wee prize, okay? Uh, PW, the Circle of Friends, are meeting tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock in the church. Guest speaker will be Gillian Gilliland from Samaritan's Purse. Um, this Wednesday night is our first of the appetizer evening night. As I've said, we're, we're looking at prayer. And I, over the next eight weeks, I'll be looking at passages from Scripture uh, to do with prayer that are related with prayer. And uh, so these wee appetizer evenings are to try and give you a wee taste of what's ahead in your discipleship or your home groups. And um, please come along. Even if you're not in a discipleship group, that's fine. Come along and enjoy the night. Maybe that night you might think, well, I would like to be in a discipleship group, and you'll meet people that are and be able to welcome you in. But there's no pressure for to become a member, but just letting you know of uh, Wednesday night. The Friday morning prayer meetings will start again next Friday, the 7th of October. They'll continue to be on Zoom, and you'll find the joining information in the order of service. Um, the Men's Fellowship are going to meet on Saturday the 8th of October at 8 a.m. Uh, that's the, the, for breakfast. That's Bangor Golf Club this time in Broadway. Uh, the guest speaker will be Ronnie McAleese, MBE. Uh, next week is Harvest, as you know. Um, 
Please, uh, normal service in the morning at 11 o'clock and in the evening our service will be at 6.30 and we're looking forward to um, hearing from Storehouse. The, the offering will go towards the work of Storehouse and um, we're looking forward to hearing from uh, to hear uh, Donaghadi Mailfoy's Choir taking part in that service. Also, um, because storehouse are not able to take uh, perishable items, we're asking that people bring next Sunday non-perishable items and put them in the trolley as usual on a Sunday morning, and, uh, and that will go to the, the good cause of storehouse. Communicant classes, there's a series of classes to look at the, the, in depth at the meaning of the Lord's Supper. I'm, in, I'm inviting everyone from the congregation, if it's been a long time since you've had a communicants class and you'd like a refresher, please come along. Anyone who's thinking of becoming a new communicant, please come along. Anyone who has become a new communicant and would like to do the classes but have been able to transfer straight in from maybe another denomination through a letter and so forth, uh, please come along. And we're looking forward to those evenings just to, to seek God's presence and to find uh, the treasure in communion with Jesus Christ. Um, okay, if you're interested in that, please sign up um, for that. Ben will have the wee sheet out the back there, and he'll take your name and your phone number. Um, okay, and we'll ask our distributors to collect their bundles from the church, church kitchen as well. Nearly through these now. Um, there's just one other, there's a sheet out the back as well for anyone who feels that they could offer a lift. Um, as we've been going around, folk, we've found that there are some people that would probably benefit and like to get to church, but haven't got either a car or not well enough to come there on their own. If you would have a space in your car, if you would be able to offer them a lift here and a lift home, that would be tremendous. And... Um, just there's a sheet at the back again you put your name and your phone number on it I think that's all the announcements so I want to start our service this morning it's one of my favorite psalms Psalm 84 and um, it's uh, about a man who's in exile and he's really missing the presence of God he's really missing the temple and he writes how lovely is your dwelling place O Lord Almighty, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart is on my flesh. They simply cry out for the living God. And he says, even the sparrow was found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself. Little swallows that used to make their nests on the roof of the temple. He's saying, if only I could be like that swallow, and just be, give up everything and be that close to the presence of the Lord. But the next, the, another verse I want to read is when, from Matthew 27, because when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit on the cross. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And his presence, a sign that his presence became available to each and every one of us. So in the Old Testament, this guy's going out long for the presence of God. I want to get closer. I want to get further in. And then we're told in Matthew, that way has been made accessible for each and every one of us who put our trust 
in Christ. Let us pray a moment. Father, we just, we recognize that we are privileged, Lord, to come into your presence this morning, to come in and worship you this morning in spirit and in truth, that it is such a privilege to be here, and we pray that you would touch us, cleanse our hearts, forgive the mistakes we've made, forgive the sins, Lord, of the past weeks and months, cleanse us, and bring us, Lord, closer into you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing in Christ alone. I'm going to ask Brian to come now, Brian Garland, and 
Uh, as you know, Brian's been doing a tremendous job over the summer uh, organizing the August, August Walking Challenge. And uh, up to this point, they've raised 1,200 pounds. So we want to give them a round of applause for that. Thank you so much. And now there are some certificates and, and medals uh, to be awarded, so Brian's asked me to give them out. Good morning, everybody. just like to thank everybody who uh, contributed, sponsored, uh, and also competed in the event. It's been a huge success, and uh, we're now just going to go through the formalities of giving out certificates and medals for all who competed. So if you just listen out for your name, or if you're aware that that person's not here, if you want to come up and get it for them. Uh, First person is Laura Henry. <laughs> and this, this is well, Mark. Well done, Laura. Laura, can I give you another three for your team? Hold on, we get their medal. Laura's team were second. Wow. Okay. Is Holly Harbinson here this morning? Yeah. No? <laughs> Is that a yes or no? No. Okay. What about Mark Watson? Okay. John Morrison, I believe he's in Capenry? Yeah. Maybe uh, Mary can come up and get that. David Shaw? Nope. Well, we'll give that to you. Mike's still there. Isabel Walker? I'll keep that one for Isabel. Isabel was in the, the winning team. Barbara Mitchell. Barbara again was in the winning team. Muriel Irvine. Again, Muriel was in the winning team. Uh, Amy McCormick. And uh, Connor Maharg, Ellie Irwin, and Anna McCormick. They were third. So you have two, two medals to put on. And we'll give the other two to them. And this is the second place team. One second. Couple of medals as well. And is Curtis Curtis Ross in this morning? 
Hear me. I'll give you that one. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay. Just going to ask uh, Tom Henry to come. He's going to read uh, from the message, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 13 to 27. So uh, the reading this morning is from the message in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting at, at uh, verse 12. You can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial piecemeal lives. We each used to, uh, to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now part of his resurrected body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jews or Greeks, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If Foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you have to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. But I also wanted you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you, or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower parts, the more basic, and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or closed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honour, just as it is without comparison. 
If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you have to choose, would you prefer good digestion or full-bodied hair? (laughs) The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church, every part dependent on every other part, the parts we mentioned and the parts we don't, the parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into that exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. You are familiar with some parts of the body that God has formed in church, which is his body. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. Uh, boys and girls, we've got some boys and girls in this morning. I'd like to introduce you to Sid, as my friend Sid. And I brought him along because when I look at him, it reminds me of all the connected parts of our amazing body, the foot connected to the leg and the arm, the hand connected to the, connected to the arm. And so for all of these incredible incredible parts, which I'm sure you learn about in school, about the human body. It's an amazing, incredible thing. For example, if I start to get a wee bit hungry, my stomach will send a message to my brain saying, hmm, getting hungry down here. Can you do anything about it? And my brain then will send a message to my arm, to move my arm, and be able to move my arm, and then also a message down into my hands, down into my fingers. That's amazing. And then my eyes are told to look over in this direction for food and find a banana sitting on the the table. And all of this is going on incredibly quickly so that I can go over and lift up a banana with my fingers and then call in this other hand to come along and to help me to actually peel it and then put it up into my mouth and then then my friend is telling me to chew on it (laughs) and I start to eat on it. But all of those messages, since I started this about three minutes ago, so many messages going from my brain, all different parts of my body, so that it can all function together. Or, for example, boys and girls, if I was to fall outside in the playground or anywhere, and I hurt my knee, and the blood was gushing out of my knee, I'll get a a message to my brain, oh, my my knee's really sore. It's really painful. I'm going to have to do something about it. So I look down with my eyes, and I wonder, what am I going to do to relieve it? Well, then my feet are be given a message to walk again over to this table. And I walk over to this table, my hands are given a message to go down and pick up a plaster and open the plaster. Now, I need this other hand now as well to open the plaster and then put it on my knee. So again, all of those messages going on, just working together, the whole body working together to feed me, working together to help heal my knee, all of it working together. 
Now, can you imagine, boys and girls, if each part of the body decided to do its own thing? Well, you might have this hand wanting to go over here, and this hand wanting to go back here, and this leg maybe wants to go out there, and that leg wants to go there. One eye wants to look one way, one eye wants to look another way. It's absolute chaos. You'd be walking around, it would be chaos. It would not function. And that's why God's given us a brain. He's given us a brain to send out the appropriate messages so that every part of the body works and functions the way it should. So that you can get up in the morning, boys and girls, you can go walk in and you can wash your face and you can go down for breakfast and you're able to eat your cereal with your hands and with your mouth and chew it and swallow it and all of those things going on coordinated by the brain. It's amazing. You're an art, you're a work of art, you could say. Each of us are a work of art. Now, in the New Testament, Tom's just been reading about it. Paul talks about the church. Well, he talks about the church as a family. We're a family. But what John was reading about was, Paul uses another illustration that we're like a body. We're the body of Christ. And each part has got different gifts and abilities. And there are some things that people are better at than others, but every single part of that body is incredibly, incredibly important for us to function well, though we need a head. And Jesus is our head, the head of the body. His Word guides all of us so that we can function in a way that that helps one another. If someone is hurting in the body, then one other part of the body or two or three, the whole body hurts, and we all help that person. If one person is fighting a difficult, going through a difficult time, the whole body is expected to come together and work to help that person through that difficult time. And the same with evangelism and everything in the church. We have the Word of God that we listen to. He's our light, and He guides us as to how to function well as a body. We're never made to be me in my small corner, you in your small corner. I'll do my own thing. You do your own thing. That just doesn't work. But when we work together in unity, then God can really work through us. Listen, I've got a wee thing that sort of tells that better than me. It's a wee video, it's a wee song. This is not a praise video. We're going to have a wee video, or we're going to have a wee song after this, but watch this. It's about the body of Christ. Mike is on the loose. Play and learn. The body song. Can we sing it for the kids? Great idea. And when you kids learn the song, you can all sing along. I in the eye, I go blink, blink. Yes, I in the eye, and I can wink. I in the eye, but I can't think. That belongs to my friend, the brain. I'm Fred, 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 I go, lub dub, lub dub, I go, I am the heart, I pump like so, I'm bringing life to all the parts, I am consistent, I'm the heart, I'm swinging, I'm swinging, I'm swinging. 
<laughs> but that's what we are. And the, thing, the most important thing is that Christ, making sure that Christ is the head. Because the Word of God is what is our instruction manual. Outside of it, we tend to go and do our own thing. It's our guidelines for cooperating together as a body. I've got this wee song, which I was, I just happened to come on my uh, thing at radio during the week, and I thought, that is great. It's by Keith and Christian Getty, and it is called He is the Light. We're told in, in the Old Testament that God is a lamp unto our feet. He's the one that guides us. So that's what this song is about. He's, he's my light. So let's stand and, and stretch our legs a wee bit and sing this. You may not know it. You want to make you want to listen to it. I'll just throw you in and get the hand up. William. And giving William some of these wee haribos here so those that go to Sunday school can finish them off, okay?
I know that's uh, we're focusing on the children there, but that is such an important thing for adults to learn as well. That that's why we need to be in, attuned to what God is saying to us, um, so that we're not all over the place doing different things, doing our own thing, but using our gifts for one another to build up the church, um, to build up the body. Let's let's just pray a moment. I've just, I've just seen this here. I forgot to mention that Storehouse have sent us a wee list of things that, that they particularly need. And I've left some out there in the vestibule. You want to have a wee look to see if you're thinking about bringing something next week. But let, let's just pray, thinking of the church here ahead, thinking of how we want God to come and just minister to us and lead us and guide us in every aspect of, of what we're doing. Let's pray together. Father, and we, I thank you that we can call you Father. As we meet together this year as Ballycrock and Presbyterian Church, we ask you, Father, that you move among us in the days and the weeks and the years to come. We pray, prepare us for revival, for revival within our own hearts, for revival within Bangor, each minister, each elder, each member of our congregation, may our heart's desire be you. Move within our hearts, we pray. We ask that you bring a deep conviction of sin and a new and a clear awareness of how we have offended you, a genuine repentance in our hearts. Show us our wrong motives. Show us our wrong priorities and give us a spiritual brokenness and recognition that our own resources are not enough, but it's not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. And we pray, God, for a spiritual awakening within our hearts, kindle a new fire within our souls, increase our faith to a new level of greater expectancy. Increase the hunger in our souls to seek your face in prayer and put within us a hunger for seeing answers and breakthroughs come as a result of prayer. You have all dominion above all principalities and powers. Help us under the leading of your spirit to tap in to such resources. Give us, Father, a burden for the lost, a burden for souls, and a passion to see people saved. Share your heart with us. Show us how you see those family members, those friends or neighbors or members of our congregation who are still outside the kingdom of God. Engrave their names on our hearts and help us wrestle in prayer until we see breakthrough after breakthrough. Move within our hearts, we pray. Pour out your spirit upon us and upon this land of ours that a land of spiritual wilderness may once again be hungry for your presence. Do a new thing in Bangor. Give us back the years that the locust has eaten. Draw us closer to you that you may draw closer to us. Make our churches significant in such a secular society, a society which has many problems, but which offers very few answers. Make us light, make us salt, make us Christ-centered. Give us strength for each day and wisdom for each task. 
guide us in all we do and say, and in years to come, may our church see the fruit of our faithful sowing. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And Father, we dedicate our, heart, our hearts as well. We dedicate our hearts and we dedicate the offering that we bring this morning in, in the offering plate, Lord. Um, we dedicate that to you also. May it be used, Lord, well and for your glory, for the extension of your kingdom in this place and in this community. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing uh, what a faithful uh, God I have, and, and it's, it's good to have, uh, have the team here and have Ben um, playing for us this morning, and let's welcome Rebecca, who is his fiance, uh, is in the congregation. I'm sure you'll make her feel very welcome. So uh, it's good to have Karen, it's good to have Brian, it's good to have Ben. And uh, let's, let's just settle our hearts. This is a lovely song. It's like, what a faithful God I have. And it's a lovely song to just settle your hearts before you come uh, to the Word of God. So let's stand and, and sing this uh, together.
Let's just pray a moment. Father, we just, we pray, God, for your spirit to come upon us and move from heart to heart and seat to seat. And Father, just pray that, that God, the noise of anxiety or angst um, may just settle and that we might hear from you clearly, Lord, what you want to say to us. That word of encouragement, that word of inspiration, that word of challenge. Lord, we pray, come by your Spirit and glorify your Son in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Matthew 6, verses 5 to 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. I think it's easy to have the wrong idea of prayer in our own experience if it's been tedious, if it's been laborsome, if it's been difficult, if prayer for you has been boring and maybe all in all it's been a chore. I suspect the disciples felt the same way. Traditional prayers they would hear said again and again in the synagogue until they become stale and meaningless. But watching Jesus from afar, these disciples, they see something that's very different. They see something that's very special. There's an ingredient in Jesus's prayers that they don't have, and they want it. And they ask, Lord, teach us to pray. They can't maybe put their finger on what that ingredient is, but they recognize there's something fresh about his prayers in comparison to what they're used to. You know, I suspect that most of us, if we were asked on the spot, what is prayer? Most of us, we would, we would say, asking God for something. And it is, to a certain extent. And yet that's where we tend to fall down if we only focus on that, because that's only one small slice of the cake. You know, for example, if, if in my relationship with you guys, if I was to try and get to know you, but all I ever did was ask and ask and ask and ask and ask you for something, wouldn't really get to know your personality. You wouldn't get to know my personality because we would all be asking, answering, asking, answering, asking, answering. But a relationship's much more than that. And likewise with God, with Christ, there's something there when the disciples look at him praying, there's something there, there's relationship, and there's incredible love there in his heart for his Father. You know, I, I want you to imagine that one of Jesus, you're one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And you've just wakened up. You've been sleeping out under the stars, perhaps on Mount, Mount of Olives, where they, when they went to Jerusalem, that was a favorite spot. They went to the Mount of Olives, and, and they slept on the Mount of Olives and, and looked up at the stars. And, 
But I want you to imagine that you're one of the 12 disciples and in the morning the sun is coming up and you look around and you see a very familiar sight. The empty blanket resting on the ground where Jesus has been, where he slept. But you're so familiar with that because you know he's always up first. He's always away, finding a place that's solitary, finding a place where he won't be disturbed just to meet with his father. You know, I know it's very difficult for us to think in terms of eternity. We tend to think in terms of time. But the relationship that Jesus had with his father goes right back into eternity. That unity, that relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this eternal family, a family, this closeness between them. And you see it spilling over sometimes when, when Jesus is down on earth, when he's walking amongst men, like at his baptism, this is my beloved Son. I love him, in whom I am well pleased. That relationship is there. And it made me ask myself the question. I'm asking you the question this morning. When you pray, is it out of duty or is it out of love? Do the roots of your prayers stem from a heart that loves Jesus? Or is it duty? Is it something you feel I have to do? You know, when Jesus prays, there's something very natural about it but there's something very supernatural about it as well. Something born not out of a sense of duty, I've got to go through these prayers, but something that's born out of incredible love, which has existed between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit throughout all eternity. And I, I, I believe that that's the missing ingredient that disciples, when they look at Jesus and him praying, they recognize this guy is not going through the motions. This guy is not going through a ritualistic, traditional prayer. This guy is connecting because of the love that he has for his father. Um, it's something that the disciples, I believe, they saw it in Jesus and they think to themselves, it's not my prayer life. I want it. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what we want to be looking at over the next weeks, to grow in depth in our prayer life, in our walk with God. You know, so often we fall back into understanding prayer as some sort of grocery list that we have, and we tick off the boxes, and once that's done, we feel that's better. But it hasn't been particularly enjoyable, hasn't been particularly uplifting. You know, it doesn't mean, though, that we don't love God. It just means, with a very impersonal idea of what it means to pray. You know, if Jesus came to Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church, in physical form, I mean, if he came here this morning and he walked right down amongst you all and sat beside you and give you, say, 10 minutes each, to talk to you, to ask you how you are, calls you by your own name. He listens to you about the troubles you're having, the burdens you're having, the loss you feel, 
the hurt you feel. I dare say by the end of this service, there'd be hugs for Jesus going on. <laughs> During the cups of tea, there'd be hugs and tears. It would be amazing. And one of my favorite stories is when Jesus is in Capernaum and we're told that he goes to this house and it's probably Peter's house. We don't know. That's where they often used to minister from, Peter's house in Capernaum. But we're told, uh, especially the King James Version, it translates it as it was noised that he was in the house. Throughout Capernaum, there was this buzzing like bees. Jesus is back. He, Jesus is back. Jesus is in the house. And a buzz. If he appeared here every Sunday morning in physical form, there would be such a buzz in our community. Did you hear? Jesus is in Ballycrocken Presbyterian Church. And people have been talking to him and they've been crying and he's been hugging them and he's been supporting them and caring for them and healing them. Wow. But the truth of the matter is that Jesus is in this house. In physical form, he would only be able to speak to you for several minutes, each person. But because he's by his spirit sent out from him personally, he's able to come and meet you where you are, where you're at this morning, not just in this house, but also wherever you meet. Jesus says, go in and close your room door, close the closet door and meet with me. John 14, 23, Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He says, my father will love them. And listen to this. And we, the father and I, will come to them and make our home with them. How personal is that? He wants to make his home with you. How personal is that? And David talks about, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Take a look, take a look. Look at your right hand now. According to David, Jesus is closer to you than your right hand is. You know, sometimes prayer involves nothing more than being still and abiding in his love, reflecting on the words of Jesus and of the word of God about how you're special and precious to him. Becoming conscious, just sitting and thinking, reflecting, becoming conscious of his love to that so much that it touches you. And allowing your love space, your love in your own heart space enough to touch him. When Peter denies Jesus, you know, they don't sit down and analyze the whys and the wherefores of why you, why you denied me, Peter. They don't go through that. All Jesus wants to know is, Peter, do you love me? Because when there's love in your heart, a lot more, that'll affect everything in your life. 
know, that, that's where it starts. And that's where, you know, even your prayer life, out of that love that you have for Christ as you meditate on him, as you meet with him, that love will affect what you do, will affect everything, including your prayer life. If I love him, I'll want to spend time with him. It's as simple as that. But if I don't love him, if that love isn't there, I'm going to struggle. You know, as disciples watch Jesus pray and they see this personal connection, which comes only from a deep love, which has been going back and forth between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that eternal family, for all eternity. And when Jesus prays, there's that connection. And they say, teach us to pray. We want that. We want that. And it's my prayer that these next eight weeks, as you look at different passages, if I look at passages, as you spend time thinking about and looking up maybe those wee verses on your fridge, that, that, that just you'll sense that prayer is more than a grocery list. It's, it's, some, it's beating with him in the closet, meeting with him alone, and he will touch you by his Spirit as much as he would if he was here physically. Now, there's a verse which never fails to amaze me. It's in John 15, verse 9. It's amazing. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus is saying here, the same love that my Father has had for me throughout all of eternity, this is the love now that I feel for you. He's saying I've had a relationship with my Father throughout all eternity. We've been so close. We have been inseparable. now I want to spend time with you. In other words, the love of Jesus Christ for you is immeasurable. Immeasurable. And I look at my own life and I think, look at the mistakes I've made. And I think, how can I? But he does. The truth of it is, he does. You know, please, I want you really to get this and focus on this the next week. This is a Selah moment. Now, in some of the Psalms, that's a wee Hebrew word. In some of the Psalms, you look down some of the Psalms, down the side of the, the Psalm, you'll find the wee word Selah. And it simply means stop. Stop right there and think about these things. Before you go on to the next verse, stop and think about these things. It, it, it literally means talk to yourself about it. And I want you to get this. This is a sealing moment. Jesus, who loves being in the presence of his Father and always has, now he, he wants with all his heart, all his heart, to spend it with you. Is that not mind-blowing? If only we had one-tenth of the desire 
to spend time with God that God has to desires to spend time with us. It would be life-changing. You know, if I have entitled the message, He who has the Son has life. And when you come to faith in Christ, you put your trust in Christ, you trust in him for your salvation, you're filled with his life. That's what that's about. He who has the Son. This is a relationship. It isn't a religion. He who has the Son has life. You're filled with his life. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 27. Christ comes to live by his Spirit inside you, to make his home in you. But that's only the beginning. It's a personal relationship which you can choose to develop or you can allow to disintegrate. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. It's like a well. The deeper you dig the well, the more water that's released. You get more and more water. You can be as shallow as you want in your relationship with Jesus Christ or as deep as you want in your relationship with Christ. But not without the shovel of prayer. I I see prayer like a shovel, um, like a, a tool which enables me to break through into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I know in my own heart my own sins, and I need to make sure that I'm right with God. And there are times that that relationship gets blocked up with a whole load of stuff, and I need to use the shovel of prayer to clear that, that I might have a close encounter and a and our relationship with him. Our growth in Jesus Christ is not just academically reading the word of God. That is important to read the word of God. But it's also about prayer. It's word of God in one hand, prayer in the other, and the Holy Spirit inside, leading us, teaching us, inspiring us, encouraging us, comforting us, touching us. I forget who it was that said it. Someone once said, the word of God is not to be read through, it's to be prayed through. To he who has the Son has life. And it's up to you whether you want to develop that relationship or you want it just to disintegrate. You know, the person that gives their life to Christ has that life of Christ inside them. But how easily, and it has in my life, been like this at times, how easily that life of Jesus Christ is almost suffocated with so much other stuff that at times we barely breathe his life at all. I'm sure you'd agree with me when I say this is Ballycrocken. It's not Ballycrocken. We're not gasping for breath to survive. But what my desire is that this place, the people are thriving, that our souls are being nurtured and refreshed by Christ on a daily basis, that even as Paul says, my body is aching, my body is old, my body is breaking, but inside I'm being renewed day by day. 
We're not Ballycrocken. Sorry, we are Ballycrocken. We're not Ballycrocken. Digging, redigging that well, making a clear passage in my own life, in your own personal life, from you to him and him to you, and not settling for anything less. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it not just surviving, not just existing, but abundantly, more and more and more of him. I watched a a wildlife documentary on the Kalahari Desert. Um, I think it was a David Attenborough one. I'm not sure, but I think it was. But it was heartbreaking to see the elephants during the dry season trying to instinctively travel to the small water hole many miles away. And the wee tiny one nearly not making it. Through the sandstorms, through the dry heat of the desert, they march until they arrive at this very, very pokey, small, little, dirty pool of water. But the irony is that in quite recent years, a deep lake has been found which has been there for thousands of years, about 50 meters below the surface of the desert. Divers have abseiled down to it. The water is forever cool, forever refreshing, and even there's little catfish that swim in it. But how frustrating is that? Because up above the water, there's enough for all of those elephants, enough for any animal. And instead of a dirty water hole, there's plenty of water. It's just so close to the animals, but yet so far. And I think our prayer lives can be like that. It can be, it's dry, it's laborious, it's hard going. But what if prayer for us involved soaking ourselves in the refreshing love of Jesus before we uttered a word? What happens then is that prayer turns into something delightful instead of being a struggle. I began this service with Psalm 84, written by a worship leader. He's in exile. He longs to be back in Jerusalem. He, He longs to be back in the temple. He longs to be close to God. He says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. And he talks about the swallow. I don't know much about birds, but I know the wee swallow will build a nest underneath a roof. And just on the overlap, it'll build its nest there. And he looks at those, he's looked at them, he's seen the swallows when he's been down there, and he's saying, now, if only, it seems to me that his heart is like, if only I could be like that swallow. Just have nothing else in life, but just that wee nest, I'd be content to be close to the presence of God. We have the presence of God in our own lives in this congregation this morning, but in our hearts and making his home in us. But when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you've shut your door, pray to your father. In Middle Eastern homes in biblical times, each house would usually have a closet, would be usually in the middle of the house, uh, where cleaning stuff was kept, like the bucket, the mop, the brush, that sort of thing. And Jesus is saying, go somewhere, that you'll not be disturbed 
Pour out your heart to God, just the way he used to leave early in the morning, go to the mountain, go down to the Sea of Galilee, wherever he was, find a spot that's quiet. Somewhere where you can be as loud or as quiet as you want, as inarticulate or as articulate as you want, as emotional or unemotional as you want. But God, Jesus asked one thing, that it be a heart-to-heart with him. Be real with him. Let it be a heart-to-heart with him. Like Jacob, when he wrestled God, he says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Be a heart-to-heart with him. I want to look a wee bit at that on Wednesday night. Now, I think the biggest privilege, and I'm coming to a close here now, I think the biggest privilege the Christian has is to be able to pray. Sometimes we take it so for granted, it rolls off our tongues. David writes in Psalm 8, verse 33 to 4, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? Like, what am I that you are mindful of me and the Son of Man that you visit him? When you pray, you have that privilege through Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, to go right into the very presence of God. You know, there must be hundreds of books, maybe even thousands of books on prayer. Why do we need all those books? Does it affect, have we got revival in Northern Ireland, because we've read hundreds of books about it. Nothing can teach you to pray better than just doing it. As the the Nike slogan says, just do it. Finish with a story told by a philosopher called Soren Kierkegaard. It's a story of a church which consists entirely of geese. Um, Each member is a goose. (laughs) The organist is a goose. The minister is a goose. Every member is a goose. The minister preaches one Sunday about God giving them all the tremendous privilege that they have of being able to fly. And he goes through the sermon point by point about this incredible privilege they have, the ability to fly. There's nothing like it. And the minister speaks about their broad wingspan. He speaks about their feathers. He speaks about their aerodynamic shape. He speaks about their great webbed feet are great for landing on ground or landing on the sea. And after every point, the geese are all excited and the feathers are flying and they're going, hallelujah. After every point, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he pronounces the benediction. And they all waddle home. Please don't waddle home this morning. Please don't waddle home this morning. God has given us the biggest privilege in this entire universe to be able to connect with him through Jesus Christ, his son. That is the biggest privilege. And to be able to sit and be led and hear him speak to us. So I'll just use that Nike phrase. Just go and do it. And don't worry whether you're articulate or not. 
God doesn't care. God doesn't care. All he cares about is that it's a heart-to-heart between him and his child. Let's pray. Father, we just stop to reflect this morning on what the privilege is, Lord. God, you spoke and light came into existence and universe, billions of galaxies came into existence. God, you are mighty. We are so incredibly tiny. Lord, who's man that you're mindful of us? But yet you send your son who comes down from eternity into time and tells us that the way the father loves him and has loved him throughout eternity, he is now feeling that for us. And the way he spent time with his father is the way he wants to spend time now with us. Lord, I pray that we would not shut him out. Pray that we would not shut you out, but invite you in. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to stand and worship God with our final hymn, which is another uh, beautiful hymn, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me.
Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.